The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Lloyd, today our show is about forgiveness. And you know, healing conflict and forgiveness really go hand in hand. And we have talked about forgiveness so many times on this show, but there's it's always something that we have to talk about and there's always something that we can forgive and continue to forgive and release. And so we have a wonderful show today. We're going to be interviewing Dean Smith. He is the founder of Live to Forgive Ministries and he founded this back in 2007. His mission is to spread the message of forgiveness based on the word of God and his own personal testimony, which he's given around the world. Uh, He preaches powerful messages about love, grace, and reconciliation. And thousands of people that he's worked with have been inspired to trust God with their unforgiveness and have been set free from its heavy burden based on his appearances in churches, television, and the radio. He had a horrible story that he's going to tell us more about, but when he was 12 years old, his mother was murdered by his stepfather, Bob. He became a Christian, but knew that he was not receiving all that God wanted him to bless him with, and because he still harbored a lot of anger and resentment toward his stepdad, which is understandable. He tried to escape with drugs and alcohol for many years until he discovered there was just no way around God for the relief that he needed. He just needed that to move on. So in 1999, Dean handed over his unforgiveness and resentment to God, and his heart was totally transformed. He surrendered his bitterness to God, began, and he began the journey that ultimately led him to move across the, to, uh, across the country to reconcile, bless, love, and actually help Bob. Dean challenges Christians to stop overlooking the unforgiveness in their lives. And his stories bring laughter and tears and encourage people to take the step of faith to release their bitterness and anger and just give it up to God and trust the healing power. He explains how one step of forgiveness can lead to a lifetime of blessings. His website is Live to Forgive, and he even has a wonderful video, which was he can tell you about it in a few minutes. It's called Live to Forgive, powerful, and it's a powerful and compelling story that you can learn how you can really forgive and, and get God's grace. So, Without further ado, Dean, thank you so much for joining us from Washington. We sure appreciate your joining us. Oh, Mari, thanks for the opportunity. It's really great to be on your show. 
So tell us a little bit about that story, what you, what you went through and that transformation. Yeah, well, it's so interesting. When my mom was murdered by my stepdad, Bob, of course I was angry, right? And the interesting part, though, is that, you know, I was adopted immediately by a pastor. And mm. so I became a, a, a pastor's kid and became a Christian. And, you know, I was one of those kids that looked really super happy. And I had this new stable family, and I went to church all the time. But on the inside... I had this deep seed of bitterness and resentment, and really, I wanted to kill this guy. Of Yet, yeah. it was something I never talked about. It was something I tried very hard not to even think about, and really thought to myself, because, you know, my new dad, who is now a pastor, would, would talk and teach and preach about forgiveness, and I just thought, oh, I don't even need to listen to this, because my unforgiveness is not hurting me at all. That's what I thought in junior high and high school. Right, right. Um, the thing was is that in college, um, <laughs> all of a sudden I needed a little more stimulation to, to uh, deal with this inner turmoil. And, and there's a scripture that says, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and mm -hmm. defile many. Mm -hmm. The thing about it is when we have unforgiveness, Mari, is that it has a way of showing itself in our lives, specifically in our relationships. You know, I got married at a very young age, the age of 20, with all this anger and bitterness and thoughts of revenge on the inside. I, I somehow thought I could have this loving relationship while carrying so, so much of this unforgiveness. And, you know, that, obviously that marriage didn't last very long. I was, I was just a total jerk. Mm. And, and I really became somebody that, in my own eyes, I, I thought I was becoming just a total loser, you know, with drugs and alcohol and what have you. Mm. And I finally got to the place where I realized that the unforgiveness in me was, is really killing me and, and affecting so many areas of our lives. And for your listeners right now, I would have them take a little self-evaluation uh, and see if and how the unforgiveness in their lives has affected their current relationships. Oh, absolutely. You know, you have to give it up. Now, tell me, you, did your brothers and sisters... At the time, what? I said, did you have brothers and sisters that I did? So I had a, um, I had a, a real sister, and then at the time, my stepdad Bob he had a daughter as well. Now, in the in the the movie that you alluded to, which is really a it's an award winning feature length documentary, which mm -hmm. captures my journey to reconcile with with this man and and eventually save his life when he attempted suicide just a few years ago. But mm. his daughter. Um, moved back with her mom and still to this day is having trouble forgiving, whereas my sister um, held on to bitterness for many, many years and it affected her life dramatically. I mean, from... But here's the thing. At the time, for years, she thought she was coping just fine. Right. You know, we, we all have coping mechanisms. For some people, it's eating or an addiction or staying busy. And it could be even staying busy in a good way, but when we're not truly dealing with the unforgiveness in our lives, then it's really just leading us into this, this cycle of more pain and dysfunction and, and broken relationships. And so that was what was for my sister going from man to man to man and some pretty heavy depression. And it was during the course of filming Live to Forgive when I was reconciling with Bob that she opened her heart up to forgiveness as well. And, you know, it's one of the final scenes of the movie where she actually confronts Bob as well and, and forgives him. 
It was yes. an, it's an amazing thing. And from that day forward, which was just a few years ago, her life has, has drastically changed for the better. Right. Now, people think, I think erroneously, that forgiveness means forgetting or condoning, and it doesn't mean that at all. Why don't yeah. you explain a little bit about what you really mean by forgiveness? Because I think people think if they forgive, then they're letting somebody really off the hook. Boy, I, I appreciate you bringing that up, actually. I, I, you said a couple different things. First, I want to address the, the forgive and forget. I think it's a crazy notion, you know, and, and sometimes it's thought that that's what Christians are supposed to do. You know, I, I, as, a, as a preacher, you know, that's, I hear that a lot. But for me, I look at my own experience. It was a few days after my mom was murdered, and I went back to the house where she was murdered to get my stuff, to start my new life, you know, go get all your clothes. Right. And when I went back to the house, I just got so curious. And I went down the hall, and I walked into the room where my mom was murdered. Mm. And I looked around, and, and the, the sight that I saw was so horrifying, oh. so, so horrible. And, I mean, it was just, it was just awful. I, I won't even get into it. it was just, there was just blood everywhere. Mm. Every wall and, and ceiling and floor, it was, just, it was the most horrific thing. And for years, if that thought could get into my mind, it would lead me into a couple days of anger. And so I did everything I could not to think of that. Mm. And I thought, really, it didn't matter how forgiving I could ever be. I would never, ever be able to think of that situation and not just get crazy angry. But what happened was, in the process of forgiveness, that God, I I never forgot it, even to this day. I'm not going to ever forget that. Right. But the way, when you have a healed heart and a healed mind, what happens is, is that you remember it in a more powerful way. I still get sad when I think about yes, it because I miss my mommy, you know? Yes, of course. Yes. However, I do see beyond the sadness as I see how much good has come from it. And I don't have that anger just waiting to, to erupt like a volcano anymore. I'm able to think about it and just be sad, but also, and also see the good that has come out of it. And it doesn't make me happy, but I tell you, the way I, look, the way I see it now is much more empowering. Yes, yes. And let's talk a little bit about condoning. Like, just because you forgave your your stepfather doesn't mean you condoned what he did. And I think that's the thing that people think, well, if I forgive, then I'm condoning. But that's not the truth either. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I think that for sure he needed to pay to pay for what he did. You know, that was it was a huge crime. He went to prison. The thing is, is a lot of times forgiveness means to send away the penalty. And, and the thing that, that Christians believe is that Jesus Christ died for the penalty of our sin. However, there's still consequences <laughs> of sin and murder, right? When someone murders, it doesn't mean, oh, well, because of what Jesus did, he shouldn't have to go to jail or shouldn't have to, you know, have consequences. But what it means for us as humans is that we don't have to be the ones that bring the divine penalty anymore. It's not our job to get even, right. it may be our job to follow through with appropriate consequences, right. because a lot of times, it's, if you think about your teenager, painful consequences lead a person to repentance, right? Yes. That's why they send people to prison, so that they won't do that thing again, because they'll, and that's why we put our kids, take away, take away their phones and their email, and, and because, so they won't sneak out at night anymore and go to a party. So, right, right. There has so to I'm be consequences. I'm all for appropriate consequences. However, when we let go, 
and let God and and let God heal our hearts on the inside it makes means we don't have to be in charge of the divine penalty and getting even and getting ra- you know r- right to this anger we we let go of the anger yes. send it away well for you know forgiveness you know if you're unforgiving forgiving you're actually eating that poison every day you know yeah. it's it's really eating you up alive so you know when i think about forgiveness you give it up for yourself you give it up for god you give it up to god to let them you know let god take it over and so i think of forgiveness as just giving it up just yeah. giving up Great. the anger the resentment the the negativity but not not ever condoning you know i in, i recently interviewed um a, a woman ruth treason who wrote the long walk she was the uh, only survivor of her, her entire family um, from Auschwitz. Uh, she wow. was a Jewish woman who um, saw her, you know, her parents were killed. Her little sister was dragged away from her screaming. Um, she made it through and was, you know, when the Americans came and, you know, set her free. But, you know, she, this whole book is about forgiveness, her book. And it's yeah. about, and she said, I, I, you know, people say to her, don't you want to just kill these people? Don't you want to? And she goes, no, because I would be just like them. I yeah. would be just like them. And I, I have to give it up. You know, yeah. I had to give it up. Yeah. And she has written books. She has a family here. I mean, she's now in her 80s. She's very articulate. But, you know, going through where her entire family was killed, it was bad enough, horrible for you to have your mother be murdered. I mean, but it, it, it takes a lot for both of you to, to really have that forgiveness because other people who don't, it just eats them alive, doesn't it? It eats, eats you alive. And you, you were talking about it's like you're drinking the poison when, when you have unforgiveness and, and you feel justified to hang on to it because they don't deserve forgiveness. It's something that we could all easily find ourselves saying. Right. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right, right. There's, a, there's another cliche, and, and sometimes I, I say it in a funny way, but it's so stinking true is that when you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free. Yes. Only to realize the prisoner was you. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and when we can realize that, when we can really get that, then you would be in a hurry to live to forgive. You would be in a hurry to be as free as you can so that yes. you're, the person who hurt you can no longer hurt you. And this anger is what's hurting you towards them. And when you can let that go, when you can forgive, then that person stops having power over you and you can be set free. Yes. And, you know, as a mediator, I sit there with people all the time who are in conflict. Either they're going through a divorce or there's a partnership disillusion. There's a lot of pain, a lot of anger between people. And, I can see it in them that if they are going to carry this anger, it it destroys them. Yeah. And if it's, they can't give it up and move on and just trust that God will take care of everything, then then they're the ones that are miserable yeah. more than the other person. Exactly. And the thing about bitterness, it's like putting on ski goggles, you know, those orange-tinted yeah. ski goggles that you yeah. can put on. And everything is orange, you know. It doesn't matter what you're looking at. It kind of looks cool for a while. Well, when you have unforgiveness, it's like you put those goggles on. And so now everything that you see, especially for the person who's hurt you, everything you see is tainted 
by that color. It's tainted by that bitterness. And so it's like this cycle. You'll never get out. There's no way to get free without forgiveness from the offenses that people have caused you. No coping mechanism. No just trying to suppress it. You'll, your world will always be tainted by this filter, which will lead you into damage and dysfunction in your relationships and in your mind and in your relationship with God and in your job and, and just you name it. And so you start to find that the only way to get out of this prison is forgiveness. And in my experience, the way to be most free is, is forgiveness with God. Yes. You know, I also interviewed Azim Kamisa. I don't know if you know who he is, but his son was murdered. Uh-huh. And um, and he he obviously, you know, there's it's so terrible to have a child murdered by a gang member. A 14-year-old gang member killed his 18-year-old son. Wow. And he's written great a great deal on forgiveness, and he was on our show too. And um, he went through this tremendous pain, and what he ended up doing was starting a foundation with his son's murderer's grandfather, a foundation wow. because he said there were victims at both ends of the gun. Yeah, I bet. And he has done tremendous work in San Diego to go in and literally eradicate most of the gangs because they go in and they talk and he has done every, he has forgiven his son's murderer and is trying to help him get out of jail to, because his son, his son's murderer has also become very spiritual and he wants him to come and work and tell his story to all these kids. How he, yes. You know, so talk about forgiveness. I mean, it, it, it is such a blessing to, for me to talk to, to you and Azim and Ruth, people who have lived through the most, the darkest soul, the darkest night of the soul, and to come out with forgiveness, it's such a, such grace, such a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened to Bob? He, he, did you have to testify or anything in his trial? No, at the time when the murder happened, I was 12 years old. I didn't testify. They kept me all the way out of it. He was convicted of second-degree murder and spent uh, about 11 years in prison. And wait, wait, were you in the house when this No, I was, at, I was at school at the time. Oh, thank, thank God. Yeah, he, he murdered her with um, the baseball bat from my closet. Oh. And um, I was at school at the time. And, you know, when it happened that day, you know, a half hour after my mom was pronounced dead, I was at the hospital, and I remember sitting there eating this egg salad sandwich in the cafeteria mm. and vowing that to myself, just in my own mind, I'm going to grow up big, I'm going to grow up strong, and when Bob gets out of prison, because someday he will, mm. I'm going to be there to kill him. And I, I really thought it would be the best way I could honor my mom. Aww. But what I learned, Mari, is that the greatest way to bring purpose into my mom's life, for my mom's life and purpose even into her death, would the very best way that I could bring my mom honor Yes. Was going to be through forgiveness, not just to the point of not being angry, which was still really cool, but even to the point of being able to help him and love him. My mom has gotten so much honor through what God has been able, with what I've allowed God to do through me, just by surrendering and saying, Lord, please help. Yes. Is that my mom has gotten so much honor. And if I would have taken the other path continuously in my life, you know, no one would know my mom. No one would hear about her, and it would bring right. her no honor, more likely probably being her disrespect and humility, you know, right. to her name. 
right. if I would have continued in, in the loser life that the bitterness was leading me down. So, Now, what, what led you to really that forgiveness? Was it, I know you went through some very tough times with drug and alcohol, but what was it that, that got you to say, I've got to forgive? What was oh, that think, turning point? Yeah, well, ultimately it was, you know, sometimes they say you have to get so down to the very bottom before you're able to look up. But I think it, the, the seeds were planted in me back when I was in the house of the pastor, who's my dad, you know, and yes. him telling me about the importance of forgiveness. Now, I justified and rationalized, you know, year after year, why this forgiveness couldn't possibly apply to me. I mean, do you know that Bob murdered my mom? You know, there's no way I'm going to forgive him. Mm. But there was just enough seed that my dad had sown in me. There was just enough things and mentoring that he gave me over those years when I was at home that when I was on the bottom, I was like, gosh, everything that my dad said bitterness would happen, it, happened, it has happened. Mm. Wow, I never thought this could be me. And so, so I just really thank my parents who, who gave me the Word of God and who, who mentored me and, and, and let me know God will be the only way for the peace you're looking for. And when I got to the very bottom, I finally was like, okay, God, I need your help. When you so, were ready, right? Yeah. When, when you were took, ready. took a long time. So uh, how is it that you ended up um, meeting with Bob? Could you kind of explain that whole process, how you decided to, yeah. to help so him? Before, yeah. Bef- uh, um, after, over, over the course of several years, God healed my heart to the point of not being angry and even to be able to have compassion on the inside, I started having compassion. I started praying for him. And then I just felt like I was supposed to reach out to him. Now, he had been out of prison for years at this point. Now in my story, I'm probably in like 2006. Mm. And I just felt like I was supposed to help him. And it was the weirdest thought, you know. I'm supposed to help him. So uh, late in the last part of the year of 2006, I, I called him on the phone, Mari, and he had he ever in, had he ever written you a letter uh, to, to ask for forgiveness? He did. When did he, he do that? He didn't ask for forgiveness necessarily. A couple times in high school he did, and my my new dad, the pastor dad, wrote him back and said, "You better stay away. I think Dean could kill you. Yeah. If it, you better like never never let him see you." So right. in 2006, when I called Bob on the phone, he was living in, on the opposite end of the country. I live in Seattle. He lived in Tennessee. I said, hello, Bob, it's me, Dean, and there was a long pause. He later told me he thought he had about 24 hours to live when he heard that voice. Wow. Uh-huh. He thought, oh, here he comes. And I, I said, Bob, I forgive you for what happened in 1986, but more importantly, um, I believe that it was because of Jesus that I'm free, and I believe that he wants you to be free as well. And if you'll let me, I was a minister at this time, I, I said, if you'll let me, I can help you get to know this freedom that I've experienced. And that was the day we became friends on the phone. And for about a year, we'd talk about once or twice a month until after a year, he stopped calling me back. Mm. And there was no contact for six months. And then all of a sudden, I get this call from a Tennessee number, and it was his girlfriend. And she, she didn't know exactly who I was. But she said, Dean, I know you're a man of God, and you've, you've been talking to Bob. She said, I want you to pray for him because he's just attempted suicide. Mm. And it was at this point, you know, when I went to pray, it was like, I just felt like I needed to help him. And so I bought a plane ticket and flew across the country to help the man and help save the life of the man that murdered my mother. And yeah. this was, this is when um, a Christian filmmaker in the area here in Seattle heard about it and, 
they got a camera crew together, and we, we thought we were just going to film this little ministerial tool, you know, to help people, but it ended up being the footage we got was so one-of-a-kind, compelling, captivating. Yeah. Yeah. Some investors came on board and said, let's make this a movie, and now it's available in stores and, and online at Live to Forgive. So we're so grateful to be a part of it. So what's Bob doing now? So he, he works um, between Texas and he, he's, um, let's see, he works for um, a telemarketing company. He's like the manager of a telemarketing company, and he, he's living down there. As a matter of fact, gosh, I'm glad you asked. It reminds me, he's actually going to be moving up to Seattle huh. in the next couple of months, and he's going to spend, the, you know, he's in his early 60s. He and his girlfriend are going to spend probably the rest of their life up here in the Seattle area moving up here real soon, and it'll be great to have him close and to be able to, to minister to him and with him and, and help set him free because I think he still um, goes kind of from hot to cold with uh, his ability to receive God's forgiveness and then, yeah, to really receive the freedom that he has. Right. Because we, all, we know that sometimes we're our own worst enemies, mm-hmm. and sometimes before we can even get to the place of forgiving someone else, we have to receive God's forgiveness. And so he's been real challenged by that as well. Right, right. You know, that, that guilt, that, that's another thing, that the guilt that eats you alive. Guilt and blame and unforgiveness, these are all things that, um, that if you, you know, find God in your heart, you can let go of that stuff and, and give, it, give it back to God. So that's such a blessing for what you're doing. What do you, what, what surprised you most about forgiveness, like when you went through that process? Yeah. What surprised you? Man, just even in you asking me that, it, it, it elicits an emotional response. Like I got the chills because I realized that, you know, when it happened, I started sharing my story. And, you know, I, I didn't share my story because I wanted attention. I shared my story because I was really so uh, amazed at what God was doing in me. And as I began to share my story, it was inspiring other people so much. And it made me, like, want to stay in this process. And the thing that surprised me so much is how, how deeply so many of us, most of us, have unforgiveness, but how badly we want to be free from it. Yes. And, and when we share our stories of forgiveness, just like what you're doing, Mari, is so important that you're bringing these guests on to tell, because I believe each time that you do, there's, your listeners are, are getting inspired, dozens at a time are getting inspired to take that first step. And that first step may be as simple as, God, huh, I choose to forgive, but I need your help, you know? Exactly. Rarely is it an overnight thing where you, where you say a prayer and then you're completely free from years of bondage. Right. A lot you have of times to do it process. over and over, right, yeah. right, because... Because you think you have some of it, but it's like it's there's some that's that has to be scraped out of the bottom. Sure. You know, it's like coffee sure. cup. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it's, and it's not to make ourselves wrong and say, "Oh, I haven't forgiven yet." I've you know been working on it for two weeks. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. It might yeah. take months and years. Just stay in the process of of surrendering it. And so I've just been surprised at how many people are looking for this message, and when they find it, and when they apply it, and they get freedom, and then they share the message, and it's just. You know, having done this now for five years, I've been so blessed to see hundreds or thousands of people be not only freed up in their own life, but then sharing their stories, like the people that you have on your show, right. and it inspires others. And I would just encourage your listeners to, 
whatever you can do, start that process of forgiveness today towards the people, towards the Bobs, so to speak, in your life. Yes. And Dean, we're going to send people to live to forgive.com so that they can learn more and they can get your video. And we just want to thank you so much. We're out of time, but it was really such a blessing to speak with you. And I just thank you for all the great work you're doing. And I just honor you for this. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Okay, you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minervine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Please visit our website at conflicthealing.com and write us emails about what's important to you about the conflict in your life and how you want to have peace in your life and give us suggestions as to what kind of shows we should have and who we should interview. So thank you so much for joining us and may you forgive and have peace in your life. Thank you. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.